Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder. This week, are veterinary professionals well socialized? Finding friendships and fulfillment outside the profession. This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we're going to talk about how you keep your sanity outside of practice. Like, what are your hobbies? What do you do to connect with other people? Are you well socialized as a human being? We always talk about socialization for puppies and pets, but what about for people? But before we get into all of that, as always, I'm your host, Dr. Ernie Ward. I'm Dr. Cindy Courtney. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And it's that time of year, I guess, I've got my Christmas card list out. And I'm going through my closest circle and thinking about the people I surround myself with on a most daily basis. And it kind of occurs to me that the majority of the people in my life are veterinary professionals. And so as some of the people in my life who I tackle the toughest topics with, I started to think, what do we do for socialization? Who's out there being friends with people outside of the veterinary network? And should we be doing that? And if we are, are we doing it well? What do you guys think? And, you know, when we started bringing up this topic, I realized I started meeting veterinary professionals from a very young age, right? As a veterinarian, I was taught, okay, well, you got to start getting veterinary experiences when you're young. So even when I was still in high school, I was working at a pet store. And then in college, I was working at a veterinary hospital. So I still have folks on, you know, that I'm Facebook friends with and keeping up with who I know from back in those days. I I don't know about you guys. You know, Cindy, I love that you bring that up because it does start very early in our life. And and I would even argue it is more twisted than that. I mean, Cindy, we were kind of on an academic path. So maybe our entire friend group were like the smart nerd people. At least that's how it was for me. I had to really work extra hard to expand my social circle to those that involved the arts, you know, and theater and music. So Becky, how was it for you? I mean, as a kid growing up, did you already sort of insulate yourself with this one type or group of people? I don't know that I could necessarily say that was the case for me, but I think it was later for me in life that I made the commitment to enter veterinary medicine, you know, just for a lot of different reasons. But I do think that we are very much cut from the same cloth. And I can think back to a lot of people in my life who I was the closest with and who I made connections with, and they all had very sciencey backgrounds. Yeah. Well, Cindy, I love what you said though, because I can totally relate to that. Like I started pretty much my entire working life has been with animals. And and so I guess it was the same for you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, just a lot of those friendships have kind of continued. And, and it's weird. It actually has an impact on your professional life. When I first applied to be a veterinarian, I walked into a clinic. They were hiring just for experienced vets, managed to convince them to interview me. And I walked in and I knew some of the technicians who were working there and they were like, oh yeah, she's a good seed. So so it kind of worked out well to be socialized within the veterinary space, I guess. Well, one of the things that we wanted to talk about with our audience today is, okay, so we know that this is happens, it exists, and, and maybe it starts in childhood, maybe it starts in adulthood, maybe it starts in working life, but regardless, it does shape your opinions and perspectives on things. And Cindy, this is sort of what we were talking about in the lead up to this podcast. You were saying, look, you know, that little sphere of influence actually has a lot of impression on you as a professional. Yeah, yeah. And 
You know, I think that having friends outside of the veterinary world has has had a good impact on me as a veterinary professional, just because my non-veterinary friends are often still animal lovers. And so it helps me remember, you know, we, we get kind of in our own echo chamber sometimes, and it seems obvious to us that people should be doing certain things when it comes to caring for their pets. But it's easier to see in my friends' everyday lives that they've got other stuff going on and it can be hard for them to meet all the demands that maybe their veterinarians are asking of them. So Becky, let's talk about veterinary technician school for a second, because I think Cindy and I can relate to the veterinary school perspective, but like in vet tech school, do you have like socials and mixers with other schools or or do you just kind of lock down and and go out and hang out on the weekends with your veterinary technician peers? I mean, in, I, I feel like in vet tech school, you eat, sleep, breathe school, just like you do very similarly in vet school. I mean, it's super intense. And so I feel like when I look back on my vet tech time, I was hanging out with vet tech students, doing vet tech things, studying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and one of the things, if, if you're not familiar with my story, I, I made deliberate efforts uh, in college, Cindy. You know, I was a musician, you know, all throughout vet school, I was in a, in a pretty successful band, you know, at least in relative terms of college punk rock. Uh, you know, so I was, I did things to get outside of the vet school sphere. And I did this deliberately because, you know, Cindy, I felt like I was really being limited in my personal growth. And, and that was really hard. Like it took a big toll. You know, my, my entire vet school career is one of a blur because I was constantly moving either from school to, to lab, to study, to a gig at the 40 watt club. But so what did you do in vet school to sort of try to expand your perspective, if that makes sense? Yeah. So I thought it was interesting because my first year in school, I was, I was pretty intense and I had gone to a pretty academic undergrad and got into vet school and did a lot of activities and felt pretty straight laced and didn't quite fit right. So my second year, I, I backed down a little bit, got involved with some more social groups of veterinarians. So it, I guess it was still primarily within the veterinary space, but a more relaxed group of people. And I think that's interesting. Like what clicks of people we decide to spend time with sometimes do determine what in our personality we're deciding to, right. to highlight. Um, and then later on in my veterinary school career, especially after I, I met my husband the summer in between second and third year, I started doing more swing dancing. And so I got to meet a bunch of people doing that in the, the broader college community. And Becky, like Cindy, you know, I was choosing music. She, she was doing, doing dance. Uh, did you do anything in your veterinary technician school to sort of get a different perspective? Because quite frankly, I wanted to escape all talk of all things veterinary related, right? Like I wanted to go someplace where people didn't give a flip that I was in vet school or I had a big, ex- big exam coming up. They just were like, let's talk about music or let's play music. Yeah, I'm a little bit scared to admit <laughs> admit it out loud because I think I'm going to be in trouble for it. But I I ran fly ball with my dogs. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so it wasn't super veterinary related, but oh my gosh, it was so fun. You can't think of anything else in life when you you know you're out there racing your dogs. I know a lot more now about the dangers uh, physiologically right. of fly ball, and you know I think back. And, and I'm really grateful that there were, you know, no injuries and my dogs were safe. Um, but I loved it. I had so much fun and it was definitely an escape from school. 
what I like there is, is Becky got into an entirely different group that probably had a lot of myths and misperceptions about veterinary care in general. At least that's sort of been my experience with some of these groups. But, you know, that's healthy. I mean, and why aren't we doing more to encourage that within our academic programs? Right. And I think another point we've made a couple of times on this podcast is that there are other groups that are animal professionals that have a different perspective as well. And when I was involved with the pet store, you know, that's a different perspective. I've talked to classmates who did pet sitting and that's a different perspective. So I still, you know, I think sometimes we're tempted to say, well, that's kind of the same. That's still animal related, but it still gives us a different perspective. Uh, Another thing I keep thinking about is just where are my groups of friends that I currently have? Like, where did I get those groups of friends from? Because there definitely seem to be trends. So I have kind of my group of friends that I had since elementary school that I'm still friends with. I even to this day uh, had them all through high school. I have a bunch of my veterinary school friends. I have a bunch of local and and mom friends. So I'm kind of interested to hear from you guys. What are the sources of friends for you guys. Like I I know a lot of people get into kind of the adult world and struggle sometimes to make new friends that they, they haven't had before from school. How, How do you guys go down that road? Yeah. And I think that is exactly the idea that I was thinking when I approached the idea of this podcast about social networks outside of the veterinary industry is how do you make friends as an adult? It is really hard. Like there is no adult sandbox. We get to go like climb into and be like, I love your pail. Can I use it? So how do we do that? And Well, wait, Becky, let me, let me just challenge you that for just a second, because that's, that's right. While there's not an actual literal sandbox, there are a lot of opportunities, but the difference is it forces you to get out of your comfort zone, your comfortable zone and your little sandbox, which is where we stay. So, so, so I didn't mean to interrupt there, but you know, that's, that's what we're really talking about. How do you get outside of yourself, challenge yourself, and then meet these new people that might provide tremendous insight and growth for you? So you're right. And so for me, and, and and that's exactly what I did. And for me, that was finding people with similar hobbies of kayaking. And I used the um, sourcemeetup.com. I don't know if you guys have ever yeah. used that, but it's a really cool website and they have an app that has every interest you could possibly imagine. I mean, from yoga to line dancing, to water sports, to poker clubs, to whatever it is you like to do, there's a group of people near you somewhere that likes to do it too, or you start one and find the people that like to do it. And I was able to find people who were really passionate about kayaking, knew a lot about kayaking and got out on the water pretty regularly. And these were people of all different backgrounds. So it was a fun melting pot of different professional backgrounds who had one common interest of kayaking. And this is one of the most important benefits to having a hobby, a social life outside of your work. And that is that it forces you to interact with other people. So what, a, what a, I, you know, obviously it's no secret. I love endurance sports. You know, I like surfing. I like music, I like different things like that. But the value isn't in actually just doing those things. I would argue there, there are some direct benefits, but it's really immersing yourself in another socialization group, I guess I should say, another group that has different opinions. You force yourself to talk about different things in a different way. And Cindy, isn't that the basic foundation for personal growth? Oh, I I think absolutely. And I was actually giving some feedback to my undergraduate college recently. And I, I thought that was one of the biggest benefits of being there. And one of the reasons that you make friends at school is because you're 
all there thinking about something new and learning and being willing to listen to other people's opinions. Um, I love book clubs for that reason. I mean, it's no secret that I'm obsessed right. with books. So <laughs> like books? highly recommend um, checking out your local library. A lot of times they facilitate some great book clubs. There are ones online too. Um, and, and I think that brings up another point, which is online communities. Uh, I know most of us find the most satisfaction and joy from our in-person connections. I certainly do. But do you guys have any uh, surprising online relationships that have blossomed into friendships? I think I could absolutely think of several because of my military connections where I have a lot of friends that we became friends online because of mutual friends. Um, and we all have a background of being spouses of military members and and have never even ever met in person, but would be there for them in a second if they needed anything. And it's been a really kind of cool thing because sometimes I'll go somewhere on vacation or travel somewhere and say, I'm going to be in your area. And then I do get to meet that person I've had an ongoing friendship with now for almost double digits. Wow. Yeah. And I, I find the same thing. When I was a new graduate veterinarian, there was a pretty strong and active a Twitter community of veterinary professionals. And I felt pretty lonely as a new grad and the struggles I was going through. And I got to meet a whole slew of veterinarians that I later got to meet in person at veterinary conferences in a safe, large group. I mean, obviously I always do this in a safe <laughs> way, guys. But um, but yeah, I got to meet Elliot Garber. I've gotten to know Nick Marsh and Mark Hedbert and, and some of the folks we've had on the podcast um, who are just awesome, amazing people. So, so I, I think that's you know, going to be a little bit tougher. And I think those relationships tend to blossom the most when you get to meet people in person too. But it's definitely a, a interesting and great source of, of friendships as well and to meet people who have a common interest. Yeah. And of course, you know, the Ironman community, we've got different forums. Uh, my favorite, of course, is not related to the Ironman brand, but it's called Slow Twitch. And, you know, I've, I've met so many amazing people on there. Uh, then you'd meet up at races, you know, or training, you know, events. And and so I, I like your, your thinking there, Cindy, of saying, okay, look, we know that you can't always indulge yourself in your hobbies or your, your, your loves and passions in real time, in real life, but you can at least try to engage online in a virtual fashion. And that might translate into real world relationships and, and experiences. But let me, let me twist it now. Okay. So we're, we're all adults. We're all struggling, as Becky said, to try to make those adult friends. Um, Becky, how do we once again, get outside of that little small group that we normally would associate with at work and then find this other tribe? Yeah. I, again, I think we we mentioned it already, but one, you've got to be willing to get outside yourself. You're going to have to make that leap. You're going to have to say hi. And, and for me, you know, one thing I think is important is kind of knowing what's important to you. Find out right. what's important to you. And if you can sort of self-identify that, you're investing what little time you have. Because like, let's be honest, right? We don't right. all have tons of time for this socialization gallivanting like ladies who lunch. <laughs> right, don't we wish right, we could right. be, right? <laughs> but we can absolutely invest that time in self-care by doing things that we really enjoy doing and not feel guilty about it and have some really valuable friendships. Yeah. And I, I feel like I could write a book on how to date other moms. Like, <laughs> I, it's so hilarious because especially when um, we first had my my son, there was an awesome group called Build Your Village with the whole idea that it takes a village to raise a child and it's a, a support group for other new parents and especially a lot of other new moms there. But it was so awkward. Like, you would go in and 
he'd be like, Hey, so you want to get coffee sometime? And it really felt like, um, (laughs) trying to ask somebody to go on a date with you. And, but, but it really has been helpful to, to getting to hang out with people. And just this past weekend, I got to go to a kid's birthday party and a lot of my mom friends that I've been on mom dates with, you know, were there hanging out. So, so it's definitely worth putting in that effort and, and being upfront with what you can and can't give to a friendship. You know, I tend to be the kind of person I'm not, going to call someone every single day, but I'm going to touch base when I can. And, you know, just making sure that people are okay with that. The level of friendship I can provide. <laughs> right, right. Well, I like what you're saying, Cindy, because what I've always looked for in those things outside of work and outside of my quote unquote comfort zone are the things that benefit me on a very uh, spiritual level, on a physical level, on an emotional level. You know, they benefit my life in some way. So obviously I've gravitated towards health and wellness types of events, but you know, I would argue that music also gives me great satisfaction and release there. But I would say if you're listening today, you really have to say, you, you can already self-identify what your passions are. You love theater, you love gardening, you love stitching. I, I don't know, crocheting or whatever. Yeah, Help me out there, it. people. But you know, you, you like those things, right? Yeah. And then what you do is you say, how can I further engage? You go take a class at the community college. You yes. show up at a library for a book club reading or whatever. I mean, you really have to go force yourself into those situations where then you can look around the room and there's a lot of like-minded, interested people. And then you just sort of, those connections happen, you know? And if they don't, well, then you try the next book club, I guess, Cindy. Is that is that what you do? Yeah. And I think it does help to go to a group where there's discussion. I think it's hard to yeah. go to something that's broadcasting. You want to go to something where there's some interactivity or there's some participation. Like if you like a sport or you like an activity, do something together, do something where there's a chance for you to share information with one another. Cause I find that, you know, sometimes you go to a cooking class and you're learning how to cook, but there's not a lot of chance to interact with one another. So, so try and get some idea of whether or not part of the intent is for for people to get to know one another. Um, but there's a lot of great activities in most communities. My mother is uh, works for the local park authority in her community. And a lot of those places have great activities that aren't that expensive. Uh, your libraries, your public schools, your parks and recreation facilities locally um, have great opportunities for you to, to reach out and take advantage of. Yeah, and, and I think this is one of the you know great successes of programs like CrossFit because they instantly bring you into this community, this tribe. They engage you in a deeply physical way, but they also support you emotionally. Um, and so I, what I, I like those types of, of opportunities. So if you're listening today, we'd like to hear what you find. You know, what are your great CrossFit or book club or, or kayak clubs, you know, um, and then take it to another level. Eventually you'll find, you know, that you may want to create your own little groups. I know that when uh, stand-up paddleboarding was just getting started here a decade ago down at the beach, you know, we wanted to create our own race. There was like a couple of big races, but we were like, you know, that's not for everybody. And so myself and uh, Scooter Simmons and Lee Simmons from a local surf shop, we started putting on races down here. Now, sadly, those things have, that's kind of waned a little bit, the popularity of these long distance races. But my point being that then lead it, you know, and then actually help grow it. Don't just, I guess I, I don't always want us just to participate idly. I want us to try to be an active encourager of whatever it is we love. Well, and I think you can be, but also know what your bandwidth is. <laughs> you know, if, it, if it's going to be the make or break you point between uh, 
engaging or not engaging. Like, I think we all have to, as we've talked about often, pick our priorities. So if there's something you're really passionate about, that's great. If there, if there are multiple things you want to be involved in, maybe there are one or two things where you're going to be the one leading the charge. And maybe there are other things where you're helping someone else's dream be a reality by participating. Yeah. And that's what I really mean, Cindy. And that's a fair, uh, fair point. I just always want to leave it better than I found it. Like whatever it is, I, you know, like I, I like to think that little things along life, you know, you just contribute a little and then you, you know, if you move on, great. If you don't, fine, but uh, try to leave it better than you found it. Yeah. And I mean, I think what's valid to me about your point is just the sense of, I think we so often hear ourselves saying, you know, someone should, or wouldn't it be nice if, and you know, it would be good. And and we have a lot of ideas and, and a lot of times we don't light a fire under them and help to make that be the point. Um, So I think Dr. Cindy's right, work within your bandwidth, but also, you know, get a little bit outside your comfort zone if it's something that you can do. So I think that's, I think that's really perfect. And, you know, I guess one thing I want to touch on with you guys is we talk about doing this, how to do this, you know, but like, what's the importance of this? Because for me, friendships are really important and getting outside of your network and and growing your network and growing the people around you is really super important. And one thing for me I found was I found my social network changing every time my job did. And that was kind of a painful situation for me. And so I have really found moving outside of my social network to be significant so that I have friendships that I'm able to maintain and and kind of get outside of that shop talk because when I hang out with my veterinary coworkers, it's all we do. And so, you know, what is the importance of those friendships for you guys? Well, I I think, you know, me, I was, I'm such a dork. I go right to the research, right? Like we know loneliness is dangerous, Right. Like we know feeling alone and and not having a great social circle is almost physically painful. Um, and so having people there we can reach out to is is so important. I think it's on the order of needing food and needing sleep and needing exercise. Like we need people. And if we don't take the time to cultivate that part of our life, like we're we're sick, we're emotionally sick. Yes, and you're absolutely right. And the evidence is clear. I mean, we are social creatures. So it's built into our DNA, our very fibers of existence that we have to interact with other people. If you put human beings in a black box, isolated, solitary for their entire life, they go nuts. And, and so, I mean, obviously, you know, this is, this is why people fear solitary confinement and things like that. So the, the benefits beyond just the physical really do extend into the emotional. And, and this, if you want to live longer, be healthier, have a higher quality of life, I mean, you've got to have a good social network. And, and this is where some of the research is getting confounding, Cindy, because we know that there's benefit to online communities, but there still seems to be a strong, yeah. strong pull towards those physical connections and actually sitting down across from somebody and exchanging you know, your own thoughts and opinions. And, and I would say too, if you're out there listening today, and I know that my close friends know that I say this all the time, and they're from all over the world, but whenever I find people that I instantly click with and connect with, I latch on to them. You know, I do not let them out of my life because it's so hard to find that. I mean, you find lots of people that you really get along with and you, know, you guys have a great time together, but there's, at least in my experience, there's only been a handful of people that I truly feel at peace with, comfortable with. I can really say anything and not feel like I'm being judged. So if you ever find that, and when you do find that, really hold on to it. Yeah. And you know, one thing I was thinking about while you were talking, Dr. Ernie, was the significance of 
building and maintaining those friendships. And I think I, I really love the idea of taking a class or getting involved in something that sort of has a regular scheduled activity and attendance because it, it does build that habit of going and friendshipping. <laughs> and I think that that is a great thing because sort of like Dr. Cindy said, otherwise we find ourselves just dating of right. someone else and hoping it works out and the other person texts and the other person calls. So um, any opportunity you have to do some sort of structured involved activity, I think is is such a great opportunity to do that because you have that really healthy social networking. You get that interaction that's so important, but you also build the habit of doing that and getting to know the people that you are attracted to in that circle and building that friendship. So I think that's such a great idea. And, and I love hearing all the different ways you guys are building your social network and friendships. Yeah. You know what? What's, this is so dorky and, and probably weird. But when I was a teenager, did either of you ever play the game The Sims? Yeah. 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 So there is this, this game and you're like a simulated person and you have mm-hmm. these simulated friendships. And it's kind of silly because every so often you have to either like meet your friends in person or call them on the phone to like keep these friendships active and alive. And I hate to say it, but as I've gotten older, I'm like, no, that's kind of really true. Like, yeah. are you doing good maintenance <laughs> right. work on your friendships and right. making sure that you're checking in with people and seeing how things are going? Um, but but I have found that, again, those impersonal or even just phone connections are so much more valuable than those online connections. When I found out I was pregnant and I said, well, who's not on Facebook that I need to call so that I can tell them the news? I quickly realized that it was the people that I was probably the closest to that I needed to call by phone because they weren't on Facebook. And I think that spoke volumes to the ability to connect with those people um, in a really genuine way because we were talking one-on-one by phone as opposed to sending out these broadcasts via uh, social media. And I'd also like to emphasize that we are not saying that you don't have relationships with people within your veterinary community because it's really healthy to be able to vent and share, you know, those, those experiences that only us, the vet people can actually relate to. But we're also saying that it's very, very healthy. And I would argue essential for high quality of life to have another network surrounding that because you do need to be able to, as Cindy keeps saying, get a different perspective, have a different conversation as Becky has said, relate to them in a different fashion than you would to your coworker. So that's just part of being a healthy individual. So while we're saying, yes, work relationships are very important and they may change and fade and and shift throughout time, but you also need to have this other core of, of individuals that you can talk about really whatever and hopefully the more meaningful, deeper conversations that you just can't have with anybody in the world. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing I think is I found hard as I've gotten older too, is recognizing that friendships change over time, that they mature and they uh, adjust. You know, some of those friendships that I had when I was, you know, from third grade to 12th grade, and I thought those were going to be my best friendships forever. You know, we, we got older and sometimes our, our values shift and that relationships looks different than it used to. And, and that, I've actually kind of mourned some of those friendships a bit or recognized that I need something different from that friendship than what that person's able to provide. And, and that's been hard. Um, Have you guys gone through that where a friendship has kind of shifted, (laughs) molded, changed, or you've kind of let a friendship lapse? Yeah, I'll give you a little pro tip. Uh, Run for political office and you'll really uh, separate (laughs) out your friend list pretty quickly. Uh, But you're right, Cindy. That is a normal, natural evolution of life. And we have to accept that, that we're not always going to, you know, my best buddies in high school aren't necessarily even 
acquaintances today. You know, a couple of them we've just completely lost, and and many of them just sort of went in a very different direction in life. And and as you mentioned, we just don't have the opportunity to intersect anymore. It doesn't mean they're bad or I'm bad or whatever. It just means that we're different. We've evolved, so it's healthy. And I, what I like, Cindy, is you brought up the fact that recognize it, and it's okay. Release yourself from any guilt or responsibility because. It is normal for friendships to fade. Yeah, and I, I love that you guys brought that point up and the fact that you use the terminology mourning that friendship, Dr. Cindy, because I think that's very yeah. true. And I know that, you know, given our lifestyle of of maybe having to change locations or situations rather abruptly, there have been a lot of friendships that have gone by the wayside that seemed very meaningful in the time. And it is really hurtful and you're right. And it can impede you from wanting to build meaningful relationships in the future because it can seem unsafe. It can seem hurtful. And I think too, as we grow in and no loss as adults, we become more vulnerable to it and we don't want to experience it. So we we are hindered in growing that circle. So I'm really glad that you brought up that side of it and, and how natural and important and okay it is for those relationships to change and develop and to to continue to seek them out despite that. You know, Becky, as you were saying that, it reminded me of how many clients have told me with all sincerity that they're never getting another pet after this one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and inevitably, the vast majority yes. of those have come back six months, a year later with a bright, shiny puppy or kitten. And, you know, the, the love is rekindled. And I think that if you're listening today and, and you kind of mourn the loss of these friendships, and I love that, Cindy, you know, you have to realize that this is the natural order of things. And, and you're right, Becky, there are, there are relationships in my life that I truly do mourn. Like I, wow, we were, I love this person. And yet maybe it was me. Maybe I couldn't give them what they needed at a time or or vice versa, but it's just a normal progression of that. And that's why, again, I will say to you that when you find those people that you truly deeply, intimately connect with, please, please, please do everything in your power to keep them close. And as Cindy said, just check in. It's really that simple. Management doesn't require a lot of effort. It just requires a little effort. And your friend, your true friends, they know, hey man, Cindy's crazy busy. I don't expect her to spend three hours on the phone with me, but you know, it's nice to hear from you every now and then. Yeah. And even just like when you're thinking about somebody, just send them a text message and say, Hey, this was going on. And I was thinking about you. Um, sometimes that's, it's as simple as that to just let people know that you're on their mind. So yeah. One of my dearest friends, he's a Scotsman and, and that's kind of been our default thing for the past decade or so, Cindy. It's just like randomly just, hey dude, how's it going? Just thinking about you today. And I have no idea what prompted that text, you know, but it makes me feel good. It really makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've heard what we have to say about are we well socialized and how do we make better friendships in our lives to find fulfillment? But we want to hear from you. What are your secrets to finding your hobbies and finding your different groups and tribes? And how do you stay connected with the people that mean the most to you in your life? I'm really excited to see lots of pictures of people with their besties on Instagram. So reach out to us on Veterinary Viewfinder on Instagram and on Facebook and tell us your stories. Is there a friendship that you're mourning or how do you find your new friends? Or uh, maybe if you're looking for a friend date, maybe we can uh, act as a matchmaker. Who knows? But uh, we'd also love to hear what you thought of the podcast, especially what your favorite podcasts are so we can keep bringing you great content. Leave us a review on iTunes and we'd love to hear what you think. And don't forget to click to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. Until next time. Bye. Bye.
Bye. Bye. That was just the sweetest conversation. I loved it. I just feel so happy after that one. I know. It was so so warm and fuzzy. It really was. I don't have any tension. I don't have any doubts. It's like, yeah, this is just like...